again, we thank you for your magnificence, tangible presence that we've sensed and we are sensing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your enablement. We receive now the power of the Holy Spirit to cause our ears to be opened to hear and our hearts ready to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save us and deliver us. And so we thank you for this portion of this service. Let your word come in simplicity and in clarity. We honor and we bless you and we praise you now and forever in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And the women are back and they are glowing. They are glowing. They are glowing. You can see the radiance and the glow of God all on them. We thank God for a very safe and wonderful, relaxing time of cruising. And hopefully, maybe one of these days, the men will. God will bless us where we can, we can cruise. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we are already blessed. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Beginning from verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, this morning I want to speak to us uh, for a brief moment using the subject title, The Rod of God. Rod, as in R-O-D, the Rod of God. And from this passage that I just read in Mark 16, Jesus, we are told, is giving a last charge, if you will, to his disciples. And when we're looking at verses 14 and 15, it introduces, or rather, it gives us a glimpse as to what Jesus saw as he looked at those men. These were the men whom the Bible described as unbelieving. They did not say unbelievers, unbelieving. They did not believe that he had raising from the dead. And secondly, we are told that they were men that had a hardness in their heart. Remember last week and the week before that, breaking following ground? Part of the issue about the fallow ground is the fact that it's become hardened because it's not been cultivated for a season. So here we are. Jesus has done what God wanted him to do on the earth. He's about to check out. And is committing his entire destiny into the hands of 11 men whom he describes as, number one, unbelieving. And number two, hardened hearts. <laughs> so right, right there, we find ourselves in the same equation. The reason we do not do the things God told us to do is, number one, we don't believe it. Whenever there's any situation or any problem, we always resort to what we know in our head, not what he has said. Because if we believe, we will act upon what God has said, not what we know. And secondly, as we've been saying, for many of us, our hearts have become hardened, dull of hearing. We are no longer sensitive to the things of God. But amazingly, Jesus did not allow this to deter him. He did not get a plan B or a plan C or a plan D. 
He did not look at this group of people and say, you know what, you're unbelieving, your hearts are hardened, so you know what, I'll spend another three years because you're not ready. In spite of their hindrance, in spite of their shortcoming, in fact, he almost ignored it. Even though he knew they were unbelieving, he knew their hearts were hardened. He did not address those issues. He just challenged them for being like that and just went about and gave them the commission anyway. So the first good news this morning to us is, no matter your condition, no matter how cold your heart is, as I'm speaking, no matter how frozen you have become, no matter how dull of hearing we are, no matter how hardened our hearts are, perhaps because you are weary, perhaps because of circumstances, perhaps because you've been in battle for so many times and you're just tired and tired and tired, the good news is, no matter where we are found this morning, God still has something he wants to use you to do. Not only does he have something he wants to use you to do, he has the ability to overcome your hindrances and still use you. I am saying to you this morning, you are a useful tool in the hand of God. In spite of, regardless of, despite of, God wants to use you, can use you, and will use you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, going further in that passage, in verse 15, and he said to them, go preach into the world. And then verse 17 says, and these signs, and that's really where I want to focus this morning. These signs, we follow those who believe. I've been saying this for a while, and I truly believe this. We are in an era and a season where it's, we are going to show more than just proclamation. You are not going to tell a Buddhist to become a Christian by just proclaiming. We have to proclaim. But along with our proclamation, there has to be a demonstration of the things we are proclaiming. There must be a people who must believe God to the point, say, God, you said it, you will do it. And I will be your agent through which you carry it out. There has to be a people whose mind is totally ready. I say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know how you do it. But if you said it, that settles it. I am your agent. Make it happen in my time and my generation. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They would uh, take up serpents. And don't go out today and try to look for serpents to take up. He's not asking you to look for serpents. He said, but, but when they come, you can take it up. And this is true. We have a missionary in Nigeria. Went to the village to start his work. And the villagers, because they are so diabolical, they are so demonic, they sent cobras to his room to scare him, to kill him, so that he would not be able to establish the gospel. True story. In the middle of the night. But you see, he was not out there looking for snakes. Snakes came to him. But because God gave him authority to be where he was, it was no problem. Up to that moment, none of the villagers listened to him. But the day they sent the snake, and the man came out in the morning and still was able to stretch and say, praise God, it's a new day. Ah! They said, what kind of a man is this? From that day forward, they started paying attention to what he's saying because he killed the snake. So we will take up serpents. The Bible says, if we drink any deadly thing, it shall by no means hurt us. And we shall lay our hands on the sick and they must, they shall, they will recover. This is the word of God. Now, you have to give credit to this unbelieving, hardened heart disciples. Because the Bible says in verse 19, so then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. I don't have time to really deal with that. That's, that's heavy. But look at verse 20. And they went out. I don't like this new King James translation. Can you give me the King James? This thing is too, is too watered down. And they went forth, the Bible says, preaching everywhere. And the Lord confirming the word, or rather the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Please pay attention. There are two 
category of things here that we're seeing. And really, I need to get to the sign. I just, but I, I need to prepare the ground to get to where I really want to go. Two things we see here. Number one, what was the disciples' roles? And number two, what was going to be Jesus' role? For you and I, Jesus simply says, go forth. Say, go forth. Say, go forth. Say, go forth. That's all, that's all you're called to do. Going forth. Where? Where are you going to forth? Everywhere, he says. Go forth everywhere. When you get to everywhere, what are you supposed to do? Preach. Yeah. Folks, a few minutes ago, there was a heavy presence of God here. Yeah. I'm taking you to the word now. What's about to change your life and bless you and people are just resolved. Three things. Number one, we should do what? Go forth. Number two, where are we going for to? Everywhere. Number three, what are we going to do when we get there? When we start doing those three, those three things, the Bible says, the Lord walking with them. Not walking as in taking a walk or a stroll. The Lord walking with them. The problem is, the issue is, God has nothing to work with. Because there are no goers. There are no tellers. There are no, not enough people placing a demand on him to deliver the package. He said, listen, your part is to do the going to the everywhere, declaring the glory, the preaching, not preaching as in having a pulpit, but making your life a lifestyle of Lord Jesus Christ wherever you are, declaring his glory wherever you are, declaring his praise wherever you are. You keep on going and testifying of how great he is, and when you're confronted with a situation, don't think about it. Don't let your head get involved. I will give you a sign. Why? Because all along, I'm working with you. I am with you in a way. I'm the one guiding you in the way. I'm the one looking to show my praise in the earth. If you just honor me and just obey me and just go forth everywhere preaching, I will show up. God wants to show up. He absolutely wants to show out. These signs will follow. These signs will follow. So our role is to go forth everywhere preaching. His role would be to do what we cannot do. He will be the one doing the work. He will be the one bringing the sign, the wonder. He will be the one doing the work that we cannot do. Now, these signs shall follow. Obviously, it's, it's very clear a packed vehicle cannot, cannot have anything following it. But more than that this morning, what did God say about signs? That's really where I'm going. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 tells us, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And a virgin shall have, shall conceive and have a child. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So you see, the sign that Jesus wants to display is not just a phenomenon. It's not just something that's miraculous, as miraculous as it may be. You need to understand the reason God wants to show shy sign because he himself is what? A sign. For the Lord will give us a sign and a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel for God with us. So who is the sign that will show up? Jesus. Jesus. But you see, that's hard for me and you to, to, to grasp. So what did God do? It goes a little further. It goes a little further. In Isaiah chapter 8, we said this last week, but let us read it. In verse 18, here am I, the children whom the Lord has given me. Man, give me King James, please. Give me the real original King James. Somebody, please. 
Thank you, Virat. Thank you. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord had given me. What are we for? No, you didn't read it. Did you hear? Did you just read that? Who is the first sign? The Lord Jesus. Because the Lord shall give us a sign. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Now next chapter, chapter 8 verse 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord had given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Hallelujah. So not only is the Lord Jesus Christ a sign, but God is saying, ah, and the children that the Lord has given me, we are also for what? A sign and a wonder. When you enter a room, the sign just showed up. When I enter the marketplace, the sign just showed up. When you enter into a storm, the sign just showed up. When you enter into fire, the sign just showed up. When you enter into trouble, the sign just showed up. But you're not showing up just by yourself. You're showing up with Emmanuel. The one that says, God with us. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he went about doing good and healing all of them. They were oppressed of the devil. For what? For God was with him. Emmanuel is here. And I'm here to declare to you, you are for a sign and for a wonder. You should not settle for anything less than that. Because God has declared that you are for a sign and for a wonder. Glory be to God. I will settle for nothing less than a sign and a wonder. I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care if gasoline becomes $90 a gallon. I am for a sign. I'm for a wonder. I will not lack oil on my head. I will not lack bread on my table in the name of Jesus because I hear the testimony of David. He said I was young and I became old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Not their seed beg for bread. I will not be forsaken. I will not have to beg for bread. My seed will not have to beg for bread. Why? I am a sign. I'm a wonder. People will come from all over the world and look at what God has done in my life. I said, how did God do it? How are you making it? I said to them, I'm a sign and I'm a wonder. And this sign is pointing somewhere. He's pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is a solid ground, a firm ground, a one that cannot be shaken, that cannot be moved, the one whose depths of love we have not been able to comprehend. Hallelujah! We are for signs and for wonders. Yes. Yes. That's who we are. That's who we are. Don't believe nothing less than that. Say, so, Pastor, you said the title of the message is the Lord of God. Yes, it is. You see, way back in Exodus, In chapter 4, when God found a man that he would use as an instrument to bring deliverance to his people, when the man was found, it was like me and you. I am talking about the man Moses. And he began to debate with God. God said, I've come to use you, to call you, to go and deliver my people out of bondage. God, are you sure? You know my, you know my resume? Do you know who I am? I was 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. Yes, it entered into my heart that I would be the instrument to deliver the Jews. And I tried to abdicate a case and kill the Egyptian. And here I am in the backside of the desert for 40 years. Are you sure you, you, I'm the one you want to use? Do you know who I am? 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. 40 years tending sheep in the backside of Midian. Me? I'm believing Moses. Even though God had placed it in his heart that he will be the instrument of deliverance and he acted on his head knowledge and now he's in the back side of the desert and God is talking to him. He said, God, you don't understand. I don't know how to speak. I have nothing to do, to use. I am incapable of doing what you're asking me to do. I am speaking to someone here this morning. God is giving you a task. You are looking at your circumstances. You are looking at your situation. You are looking at all the things around you. All your natural head knowledge is telling you you are not adequate. You are not capable. You don't have the capacity. You don't know. You don't have the wherewithal. You are arguing with your mind. It's not possible. You are saying everything contrary to what God has said about you. Hello! Hello! 
God said, Moses, who created man's mouth, who created the blind and the mute and the deaf, what are you talking about? Do you know you are talking to Jehovah, the one that hung the earth upon nothing? Yeah. Hallelujah. If I can create everything out of nothing, you are now telling me, yeah. you are telling me that I cannot do what I'm saying I'm going to do. Therefore, Moses, in order to help you to understand that I'm greater than your circumstances, I'm greater than your inadequacies, I'm greater than your shortcomings, I'm greater than your problems, I'll help you. Yes, you are a man. I'll come down to where you are and help you to understand so you can see where I am. So what will I do? I will show you a sign. I will show you a sign, Moses. I will show you a sign. What is in your hand? I don't know about you this morning. What do you have? What is in your hand? You think everything is failing. You think you have nothing to offer to God. But God said, what do you have in your hand? Because God is able to take your little bit and make something out of it. God is able to take whatever you give him and make something come out of it. That's the good news. Moses looked at God. All I have in my hand is a rod. This is the rod I use to tend sheep and to lead the flock. God said, that's more than enough. Say to yourself right now, say, God, it's more than enough. Oh, you don't mean it. Say, God, it's more than enough in my situation. Say, God, it's more than enough in my circumstance. Say, God, you are more than enough to bring change. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. What is in your hand? It's a rod. I've used this rod for 40 years. It's just a regular, ordinary implement to tend ship. Ah, God said, that's good enough. Cast it to the ground because I need to show you a sign. These signs are following them that believe. I need to show you something to bring you from where you are to where you need to be. I need to show you something that will mark you and change you forever. Cast that rod on the ground and you will know that Moses is a black man because when they cast the rod on the ground and thing became a snake, they pick race. If he was Caucasian, you want to see the snake? Is it cobra? Is it cotton mouth? Is it rattlesnake? Let's do analogy. Not a black man. You got to be crazy and just. And God said, don't run. I will guide you. Pull it by the tail. And in pulling it by the tail, it became a rod again. Whoa. Whoa. Ordinary stick became a serpent, now became a rod back. That got Moses' attention. That's a sign. God gave him two more signs, but I don't want to emphasize those really today because the point is from that period on, the first was enough for Moses. He never had to use the second sign. Not the third sign. Oh my goodness. One was enough. And I want to say to you today, my brothers and my sister, all you need is one. <laughs> all you need is one. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing will solve your problem. Jesus alone is all you need. That's why Jesus said to Martha, Mary has found the one needful thing. There's only one you need. That's one. God gave him three. But all his career, he only needed a one. So the rod of Moses in Exodus chapter 4 verse 20 became the rod of God. Whatever it is you give to God today, your talent, your time, your abilities, whatever it is you lay before the Lord, I want you to know from that moment it's not yours any longer. 
It's God. So the first time we see this rod, it was an implement for use through Moses. But Exodus chapter 4 in verse 17, God told Moses, this rod is what I'm going to send you to Egypt with. And with this rod that you've surrendered to me, I will do wonders in Egypt. You don't need another tool. And at the end, I'm going to tell you why this is so significant. So, but number one, just suffice, number one, just take it to mean the first time God showed up on this road, Moses' life was changed forever. The curse and direction for his life was never the same. He could never go back to what they used to do. Never. There are so many things I can share with you about this rod of God. But I've just limited to five. And then we're going to pray. So number one, it changed Moses' life. Number two, it became the instrument that Moses now took and entered Pharaoh's court. The place from which he was been banished. The place from which he had gone into exile. Yes. With confidence, he now re-entered. Who is your God that I'm in service? That's Moses asking. That's Pharaoh asking the question. Arrogance, cocky, confident of all his worldly trappings and all the powers and the corridor, the, the, the apparatus of power. Who is your God? I can just almost see the disdain in, in his face. Who is your God? Look, look where you are in the palace. Moses said, really? Threw his rod down. Became a snake again. Ah, God is still working. Pharaoh said, what is that? That's a small trick in Egypt. Magicians, come forward. What is this man talking about? The rod becoming the snake. Throw your rods down. And their rods also became what? Snakes. Just so you understand the power past power. The snake of Moses swallowed all the snakes of the magicians of Egypt. Whoa, Pharaoh said, something is happening. Yes. I am saying to you, some of us have come from backgrounds. We've come from a century where we've been plagued by demonic, occultic forces, wizards, and witches. And you constantly are saying to yourself, that's why I'm not making progress. That's why this is not happening. That's why that's not happening. It is a lie. Let God be true and every man be a liar. If you are carrying the rod of God in you, I'm here to tell you, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. The rod of God in you will swallow all the rods of the enemy. That's what Jesus said. You set upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Who made the devil? The Bible says all things are created by him, for him, and through him. All things, including the devil. And now Jesus has been lifted far above principalities, far above powers, and every name that is named. I don't care what the name is, whether it's wizard, witches, occultism, grand mason, whatever you call them, bring them, bring them. What happened to Dagon will happen to them. God, I have ears, I cannot hear. God, I have eyes, I cannot see. God with mouth, I cannot speak. I am telling you what is available in God. God will break them to pieces. God will destroy them. God will annihilate them. God will show his wonder. He will show his sign. He's just looking for people that will become his sign and his wonder. Oh, hallelujah. So number one, Moses was changed forever. Number two, he confronted the principalities and swallowed them up. Every principality in your life, you will swallow them. The glory of God in your life will destroy them. The grace of God upon your life will give you victory. In the name of Jesus, it does not matter where they came from. 
It does not matter how many talismans they're wearing. It does not matter the amulets that I have. I am telling you, Jehovah, the creator of the heaven and the earth, he will give you victory on every hand. Only believe. Only believe. Right there in the palace. Pharaoh had to scratch his head. The things he had believed in, in one minute, God destroyed it. The systems of this world that has held you back, I prophesy to you this morning. I declare and decree that every system of mine that has bondaged you and have shackled your progress today, 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 now, in the name of Jesus, you're delivered. We break the shackles. We break the chain. The rod of God in your life brings you victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Number three. Number three. This rod of God. Here they are, marching, finally free, marching to their destiny. Bam, 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 bam. And they came across the Red Sea. Red Sea stood between them and their destiny. And behind them, the wicked armies of Pharaoh were all saying, We got you today. We have you cornered. Ah, uh, if you only know what you're carrying, if you only know what God has given you. That rod of God in your hand. God said, tell them, these Egyptians which you see today, you will not see them anymore. Hallelujah. Maybe you should just turn back and wave bye-bye to them. Demons, situations, circumstance, sickness, disease, illness. You could not kill me when you had me. I'm waving bye-bye to you. Poverty, I'm not going to see you again. Hallelujah. Because God has given me victory over you. Bye-bye to poverty. Bye-bye to sickness. Bye-bye to barrenness. Bye-bye to circumstance. Bye-bye to situation. Bye-bye. 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 Hey! Why are you saying bye-bye? Because I carry something. I know what's in my hand. I have the rod of God in my hand. If I just stretch for the rod, doors will open. Hallelujah! Opportunities will open in the name of Jesus. God will open doors that no man can shut. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. If you go through the rivers, you will not drown. If you go through the fire, you will not be burned. In the name of Jesus, it's called the power of the Word of God. Isn't it amazing? That as soon as he shuffled his rod, a situation that has never happened before, something he had no prior knowledge of, never have been confronted with such a thing. But when he obeyed God and stretched forth the rod, the Bible says even the waters recognized the authority and immediately began to part. The reason you are not seeing miracles is because you have not obeyed God. If you just take God at his word and in the face of foolishness, in the face of ridicule, just step forward and do what God says to do. I'm here to tell you that God of heaven who cannot lie, that God of heaven who hastens to perform his word, that God of heaven says, I will do it and bring it to pass. Every obstacle along your way to your destiny, you are carrying a rod. Use your rod. Use the authority of God. Use the power of God. Make declarations upon it. 
in the name of Jesus. So Moses was changed forever. Pharaoh was overturned in his palace. The Red Sea was parted. And it became, they continued to march on. One thing you must understand about the devil that believers really need to understand, he never gives up. He never gives up. You will think when God's rod swallowed the rods of the magician, that Satan should just get into retirement. You will think when they came to the Red Sea and God parted the sea, not only parting that sea, but drowning your enemy in your own deliverance. In other words, the tool of your deliverance will be the same tool of God's vindication over your enemies. You will think the enemy should say, wait a minute. Two losses. Two zero. That's enough. No, it doesn't give up. Here they are marching on to their destiny. And they began to thirst. They were thirsty. And they started complaining. Moses, is it because there's no water in Egypt you brought us here to thirst to death? Moses went back to God and said, God, these people are about to stone me. What shall I do? And God said, Moses, have you forgotten Mount Horeb? Have you forgotten what I did in Pharaoh's palace? Have you forgotten what I did at the Red Sea? What is in your hand, Moses? You only need one tool. You don't need two tools against the devil. There is only one thing that was working in the beginning that is working now and that will work for eternity. You only need one thing. Only one thing is needful. You don't need another thing. You don't need another method. You don't need another implement. There is only one. The Holy Son of God. Jesus Christ is his name. He's the marvelous one. He's the majestic one. He's the excellent one. He's the greatest one. He's the awesome one. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Counselor. He's the wonderful one. Jesus, the mighty God. That's all we need. Jesus plus nothing. Therefore, Moses, in this time of need, take that rod of God. That's all you need. And with this rod, strike the rock. I guarantee you, Moses, even though he sounds stupid, he appears foolish. It's not the foolishness you are looking on, but the mighty hand of the God you are carrying. Strike the rod. And he did. And when he did, the Bible said, water became, started to gush out. What do you need today? What do you need God's provision for? For them, it was water to quench a thirst. But God wants you to know the same one thing that changed Moses' life. The same one thing that disgraced Pharaoh. The same one thing that parted the Red Sea. Is the same one thing that will bring provision. Is it money? Is it silver? Is it gold? What is it that you need? You do not need two things. You do not need another method. There is only one tool. That one tool is a one fit all tool. Whatever the need is, this one tool, we get it done. So water came out. And they drank. And the thirst was quenched. So now, shortly thereafter, this is in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17 now. They've drank, they're full, and they continue to march on again to their destiny. Their promised land. This enemy does not give up. So what does he do this time? He figured, I cannot get Moses. I cannot get Aaron. I cannot get the leaders of the tribes. But you notice, these guys are traveling in a convoy. And there are some stragglers at the end. The weary ones that cannot walk as fast as the leaders. Yeah. The struggling ones. The ones under harassment. Okay, I will not go attack the head. Let me go behind them and bite them from behind. Ah, God said, what are you doing? You are touching the weary. You are touching the weak. You are touching those who cannot help themselves, the vulnerable. If you touch them, you are touching me. 
Ha, ya, 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 ya. Moses, take your rod and come to the mountain. We are about to deal with this enemy. You see, because this particular enemy represents our flesh. The word Amalek means the flesh. The flesh, the Bible says, is weak. But the spirit is willing. Your spirit wants to honor God. But your flesh is weak. Your flesh wants to do the things of the flesh. Your flesh is the enemy of God. Your flesh is the one that continually contradicts the plan of God in your life. So God said, I know what I will do. I will not pacify this flesh. I will not placate it. I will not minister to it. No, I have to destroy it. I'm going to kill it. That's the only thing that remedies the flesh. You must crucify it. You must kill it. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I said, my old man is in what? Crucified with Christ. Yet not, uh, not, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but the life which I live. Now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. God's remedy for the flesh is death. You have to kill it. So Moses, come up on the mount. As long as that same rod is lifted before me, just tell Joshua to go into the valley and discomfit the Amalekites. And as we read in the scripture, the Bible said, Joshua destroyed them as long as the rod was lifted. This is what King Saul did not understand. When in 1 Samuel, chapter 10 or chapter 15, chapter 15, when Samuel told Saul to go and fight with the Amalekites, he said, Saul, destroy everything. The beasts, the men, the women, the children, no discrimination, massive wholesale killing. When you read that in scriptures through the natural eyes, how can a holy loving God ask a person to kill the beasts? What offense have the beasts against God? You say, why will a holy God ask King Saul to kill children? What have they done against God? You see, that's the natural man thinking. You do not understand heavenly perspective. God was writing that for my sake and your sake. He was saying to destroy the Amalekites, not because of their natural inclination as human beings, but because of what they represent in the spirit. These people represent the flesh. There is nothing good about your flesh. I don't care how many tons of water you use to wash it. At the end of the day, it's still like a filthy rag. It does not matter how well you cover it. It does not matter whether you're wearing Victoria's Secret or Nautica underpants. The point is your flesh is still your flesh. It does not matter how many minutes you take to brush your teeth. I say, oh my God, I'm going to be useful and good today in church and put cologne and perfume on your body. As long as you're human and you're in the flesh, God wants you to do There's nothing good. Whether small flesh, big flesh. Thinny flesh, skinny flesh. Fat flesh. It doesn't matter. Flesh is the flesh. And it's an enemy of God. As far as God is concerned, all flesh must die. And that's what God was trying to teach Saul. Kill it. Destroy it. But look at Saul. He went to the battle. Killed 99% of the people. But saved the king alive and save some oxen alive. In other words, he said to God, Abba, this man looks too good. Look how well dressed he is. Look at his turtleneck. This is brand name. He must have bought this from Nordstrom. Look at his bald head. This is a sexy figure. Figure of speech. He was trying to present to God something good about the flesh. God said, do you understand what I'm trying to help? I'm just using you as a figure of speech to bring a message for a people that have not yet born. I'm just trying to use you to bring a message that nothing about the flesh pleases me. That's why everything fleshly must die. But the good news is 
That same word of God that set you free at the beginning. That same word of God that delivered you from the hands of the occult. That same word of God that parted your Red Sea. That same word of God that brought you fresh water to drink. It's the same one word of God that will destroy that which is fleshly in your life. You do not need two tools. You do not need three tools. You do not need seminars on A, B, C, D. No, if you just get a hold of this word of God, this one implement, I'm telling you, it's a one size filler. Destroy them. And brought the victory. So, Pastor, what means all of this? It's very simple. The word of God represents divine power and authority from God. But more important than that, he is a person. He is a person. His name is Jesus, the son of the living God. And want, I want you to understand this afternoon, <laughs> that same Jesus that you encountered years ago, that got you born again, got you saved, is the same Jesus that will help you destroy all the enemies in your life. Is the same Jesus that will part your Red Sea. He's the same Jesus that will bring provision to your table. He's the same Jesus when you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. He said, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. He's the same Jesus. Not two Jesuses. The same Jesus. You don't need two Jesuses. You need just one. Jesus Plus nothing. If you get hold of him today, if you get a hold of this Jesus today, it's a package deal. The same faith and grace that you took to get you born again is the same faith and grace you take to part your Red Seas. That same faith and grace to destroy all the principalities and the powers in your life. The same grace and faith to have provision for you. That same faith and grace to subdue and destroy the flesh in our lives. The same grace. That's what I saw in the Lord of God. Jesus is the sign that was conceived by a virgin, Emmanuel. And now he wants me and you to be a company with him of signs and wonders to our generation. Are we going to obey him? Very simply. In closing, three things I want to say to you. Application-wise, three things. Number one, you have to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to receive what? The Holy Spirit. He is the divine representative of God in the earth as we speak. He is the one that has been given the assignment to change lives, to bring provision, to win victories, fight battles. He does not speak of himself. He speaks of the Godhead. But he's here right now. He wants you to receive him. He wants you to embrace him. In Acts 2-4, we are told that the disciples were in the upper room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on in the book of Acts, we read about some disciples who, even though they had believed in Acts 19 verse 2, the Bible says, Paul said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So that's number one offer I want to give you right now. If you're here today and you have not, you have not received the Holy Spirit, you need him now. Now, understand if you're born again, it's the Spirit of God that got you born again. But I am saying, in addition to being born again, if you're going to go through this journey, and survive it, you need the endowment and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. If that is you, come right now as I'm speaking. You say, I want to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and that's you, I want you to come right now. That's number one offer. Pastor, how will I know if I have it? 
one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit is that your ability, he gives you the ability to speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. So if you're here and you do not speak in those other tongues, it's a good evidence that you need the filling of the Holy Spirit. If that is you, you need to come. Number two offer. Number two offer. And you can answer any of the offers as you see fit. Number two offer. Say, Pastor, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues from time to time. But I've been wearied with the battles of life. And I need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, in verse 31, that when the disciples had come together and prayed, the Bible says the place was shaking where they prayed. And they were all filled in the Holy Spirit. These were the same people that had been filled originally in Acts 2. But we see that in time, there was a further need for them to be refilled again. So you may be here and you have spoken in tongues at some time. Now you are in need of a refilling. You need to be topped up. You've been battling, you've been working. You need a renewing. If that is you, you need to come now. You need to come now. You need to come now. Either you want to be filled for the first time or perhaps you've been filled and you need to be renewed. You need to be renewed. You need to be topped off. You need to come now. You need to come now. You need to come now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is critical. This is very, very critical. The reason this is critical, we're in a season of prayer and praying. And as you heard the teaching this morning, one of the recipe of praying is the Holy Spirit. We do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but it's the Spirit of God that is quickening us, that is working in us, but to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is the reason we must be filled to capacity every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. So if you just lift up your hands, those of you that are here in the front, with an ex, with an expectancy of faith. Sammy, please come. I just want men here on this one, this one. So the, uh, Pastor Eddie, please come. Please come. 